Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. I am Ken in Indiana. And I am Jeremy, coming to you live from the Key Radio Studios in downtown Provo, Utah. Yeah, it's kind of a new place for you there, isn't it? I'd say yeah. it looks mighty fine. Yeah. Uh, my uh, In our church building, our highway is getting worked on right in front of the driveway, and so the fine folks at Key Radio, Christian Radio, uh, had me use their studio, uh, come here a couple times a month to do the morning show with them, and so uh, look them up, keyradio.org, and support ministries in Utah. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about not. today, Ken? Well, let me ask you a question. Your decision to uh, to wear that red shirt today, was that a was that a preference or a conviction? I found these yes and no buttons, and um, they may be working their way into the episode. Uh, the answer is yes. They're both is both a conviction and a preference. Okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is what we're talking about today. We are trying to understand how do we think through. Okay, we're we're going to look at uh, some things in the third column today and wrestle with. Okay, how do we understand is is whatever decision that I've come to with our third column, is, is that a, a preference? Is it just something that I, that I like and so I'm doing it this way? Or is this more of a conviction and wrestling through with those things, trying to parse that distinction? So I think this is going to be a really helpful conversation for us as we think through these things. So you'll want to stay tuned and we'll get to that right after the music. Neither Bethel nor Hillsong meet the biblical definition of a true church. Did you know that Jesus was born again? Is his view heretical? If it isn't, then there's no such thing as heresy. It's not just a black and white issue. There's an issue, there's a question of moderation and how damaging and how harmful things are. Not every act of divine revelation is equal in authority. Angelic forces, angelic reinforcement. I mean, it's, it's hard to even respond to that, isn't it? It's mind-numbing, it's blasphemous. When the apostles use the word atonement, they do not depict an angry God. It's cryptic, it's watered down, it has nothing to do with the judicial aspect of the Christian gospel. The most important of all doctrines is that the Bible is the word of God. They have different ideas than you do. You don't have to automatically kick them out of the kingdom. All right. It is going to be a fun conversation today, but before we jump into the meat of it, Ken, I'm going to put you on the spot with a Bible trivia question. Oh, no. Uh, Mike, one of the co-hosts of the morning show here, he has this book, uh, the awesome book of Bible trivia, and each morning on the radio show, he picks one out of here, and I'll I'll ask you the one he asked the audience this morning uh, while I was on. The word coffin, uh, not like... <clears throat> He's. I've been coughing all day, coughing, but what you're put in when you're dead. That word only shows up once in the Bible. Who was placed in a coffin? This is, you grew up in a fundamental church. You did Bible trivia, sword drill type things. I mean, this is right down your alley, Ken. Uh-huh. Only one person in the Bible was said to be placed in a coffin. Was it Joseph? It was Joseph. Good job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited I got that right. 
<laughs> yep, in Genesis uh, 50, his bones uh, carried out in the coffin. So What did I win? What did I win? Um, and a unique opportunity to fight pride, right? That's that's what we always give away to our winners uh, with the podcast. Speaking of which, recently, the Just Thinking podcast won our uh, March Madness podcast tournament thing. And, you know, there there might be something interesting happening there that you want to stay tuned for. Yeah. Maybe I'll just say that. Yeah. Good little tease. Mm-hmm. We also wanted to mention that uh, we've been getting some emails and communication from people through a couple of different channels, and we want to say thank you to those individuals that have reached out with email. Um, you can email the show, show at dotheology.com. We've had people asking questions about abortion, about women's roles. We also got some Facebook questions as people were interacting with us through Facebook Messenger. So we just want to let you guys know that, hey, we are available to reach out to that way. Email show at dotheology.com. Facebook.com slash do theology, and you can send us a Facebook message or send us a tweet or give us a DM through our uh, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash do theology. So, yeah. So, if you're sitting there thinking, should I reach out to these guys with this thing I've been thinking about? Here's your answer. <laughs> there you go. And we had one more cool thing happen. You want to you tell them about the, uh, the awesome thing regarding the charts? Yeah. Um, we had a listener in Europe reach out to us. I think he said he's in Germany, and uh, he goes to a Romanian-speaking church, and he actually translated the chart into Romanian. So you can go to our website now and check out the chart in Romanian. We, we only have it in English and Romanian, those two <laughs> languages. We would love to have it in Spanish. It's probably the next most common after English for those who listen. If you have, if there's anybody out there who speaks Spanish who wants to translate the chart, that'd be cool. But um, we're going to get the Photoshop files to our friend who translated it into Romanian, and um, jet, he can jazz it up that way a little bit. Um, but as it is, we, we do have a Romanian version. would love to get it in other languages for those who are listening who think that might be helpful. So uh, check that out at dotheology.com slash chart. And I just have to say, when I got that news, that was just one of the coolest things that I think I've heard in who knows how long. Like I was and, just... And unprecedented. Oh, yeah. I was just so tickled. <laughs> like, oh, it's, the chart's in Romanian. Yeah. So uh, cool. Very exciting. Well, we're very, we're very grateful that it's been a useful resource for God's church and that people are using it, they're finding utility in it, and it's been beneficial and helpful for thinking through these things. So we're very, very grateful that it's being used in that way. Well, today, as we get into the conversation, uh, we should say from the outset, our goal is not to do a deep dive on any of the things we're going to bring up uh, as far as the specific conviction issues that we'll mention uh, perhaps one day we'll have episodes on the believer in tobacco, the believer in and music, and the believer in politics, and have their own dedicated episodes. But today we want to look at these conversations from a higher level as we try to parse the difference uh, between a conviction and a preference, because there is a difference uh, between a spiritual conviction and a fleshly or earthly, worldly preference. So our goal today is to talk about how we talk about theology, to talk about how we talk about <laughs> practice uh, in our Christian lives. This is, uh, as Ken might say, almost a meta-conversation. That's right. We just went Whatever meta. that means. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean, uh, we want to talk about how we talk about doctrine, which was almost our tagline once upon a time before we chose keeping doctrine in its place. Thank the Lord for our wives for that, because we were all gung-ho about, oh, yeah, we're going to our tag do theology, talking about how we talk about theology. And our wives said, eh, you might want to think again. And so we did. <laughs> but I do think it would make a cool shirt. We, we could make that shirt and throw it in the merch store. Yeah, we can do Let's that. Let's talk about how we talk about theology. Uh, if you would buy that shirt, let us know. And that, that would be that'd be a lot of fun. We do have a merch store. Go to dotheology.com and find the store tab at the top. There you go. Little plug for that. But uh, let's get into what's the difference between a conviction and preference. How should we start? So we're going to just give a couple of, of general uh, general definitions, and then we'll circle back around to those as, as we go further on and kind of flesh things out more fully. But we're talking about the difference between a conviction and a preference— A conviction, simple definition, it's a firmly held personal belief or opinion, and we're saying that this is based on careful study and counsel, right? This is not just something that you believe strongly because you believe strongly. Uh, You've actually reasoned through some things. And then a preference is just simply a greater liking for one alternative over another. So real simple, real basic. Uh, And as you may have guessed, we're going to be living pretty squarely in the third column today. A lot of the things we're talking about, these aren't necessarily doctrinal things of you know secondary importance. Now, these are things in our third column. And Jeremy, why don't you just give us a, a rundown, a refresh on what we're talking about when we talk about the third column. So on the chart, there are three columns, red and yellow and green. The third column, which is green, is called the doubtful things. These are conscience matters that affect friendships with others. We give a definition and a principle on our chart for each of these columns. And in the doubtful things column, the third column, we define it as issues that are to be discerned individually as the Spirit will bind and loose Christian consciences differently. These are matters of wisdom and foolishness. They are not inherently right or wrong. Therefore, the principle uh, for the third column here is to obey your God-given conscience and don't cause others to stumble while being wise. That's the third column. That's right. So all the things in this column, none of them are inherently right and wrong. We're pursuing wisdom, right? That doesn't mean these things don't matter. They do matter. These things have a profound impact, can have a profound impact upon your Christian life and walk. But we want to approach it eyes open, applying biblical principles to form the conclusions that we come to. Yeah, so as we think about these items that are conviction, personal conviction matters or conscience matters, you know, the extra layer that we're adding to this concept that we're examining today is not just the conclusion that you have, but how you arrive at the conclusion that you have. And that is what makes the difference between a spiritual conviction and a worldly or fleshly preference, or just an ignorant preference. So we want to talk about how we arrive at those conclusions, and what's the biblical standard for how our consciences should be formed in these these matters. And just a refresher on the concept of conscience, you know, we just did a whole episode on the conscience. Uh, That was titled The Seared, Cleansed, and Wounded Conscience. You can find that in your RSS feed, your podcast app, episode nine. Uh, But we talked about how the conscience, it's strengthened with knowledge. We pulled that from 1 Corinthians chapter eight. 
And the more that we know, the more truth that we know from God's Word, the better we will be able to apply biblical principles to our lives. And so when we're making decisions about matters that the Scriptures do leave up to conscience, our conscience is strengthened through biblical knowledge. So we want to stress that point as well, that we've got to be in the Word. We've got to be in the Word. Yeah. And that's episode nine of season three, by the way. So yep. if um, don't don't go back to our RSS feed and scroll all the way down to try to find episode nine. Yes, way, sorry. way, way, yep. way back when. Uh, just a I don't know. By the time this comes out, it'll be what four episodes ago, something like that. Yeah, four this is episode twelve. So okay, four episode episodes nine. ago. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk more about the concept of preferences. Well, let's let's define preferences first as we get into this. Um, again, the basic definition being a greater liking for one alternative over others, one option over the others that are available to you. And this can be born out of desires, out of ignorance, out of tradition. Let's hit each one of those, how we come about having these preferences that are really just baked into our personality a lot of times. So much of the time, uh, let, yeah. Let's hit them one by one. Yeah, so a desire, it's it's not real complicated. It's pretty basic. Desires. It's simply like what it's it's what you want. It's what you like. I like baseball. I like the Cubs. Go Cubs. Why do I like these things? I don't I just do. I just like these yeah. things. You know, it's there's not really any complicated math behind it. It's just I just like these things. Or even like deliberate sitting down, examining. I mean, and some of that happens to a degree. You've watched other sports, right? I mean, you've watched curling every time the Winter Olympics comes on. <laughs> and it's like, hey, this is kind of cool, but you're not going to buy the, you know, uh, Norwegian team's jersey and, you know, follow them in the off season. <laughs> so um, why is that? Well, we're just kind of wired differently. A lot of that is, of course, the culture we're raised in and um, things of that nature. Kind of they feed into each other uh, a bit and it's hard to draw lines. But it, at the end of the day, it's just simply our desire is for this thing over this other thing, um, which is part and parcel to being human, right? You, you yeah. can't escape just yeah. having desires um, that are sinful, <laughs> uh, that are neutral. And when you're, you know, a believer, God gives you good desires. Uh, so a desire like, um, I think baseball is fun and I think soccer is dumb, well, that's just a preference I have. Who knows how all that exactly came about? That's right. It's a, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so, so desires, but there's also ignorance and tradition, too. Let's talk about these two items, how they play into our preferences being formulated. Yeah, so sometimes we can come to a conclusion on something without actually having really thought through that issue in particular. Um he thinks maybe that something is or isn't acceptable. Maybe the Bible doesn't directly address it. You've never studied to see if there are any biblical principles at play. You just you just kind of come to a conclusion. Uh, a biblical illustration of that would be the issue of meat sacrificed to idols. That's what Paul was addressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 when he was instructing the, the people mm-hmm. and he was talking about how you know the, the, the uh, conscience that was weak in regard to meat sacrificed to idols, it was weak in the, because it did not have knowledge— over the fact that, hey, uh, there's no such thing as an idol, really. Like, there's no other mm-hmm. gods. There's one God. And so the, the conscience can be strengthened with knowledge. But but it was an area where an individual had had come to a conclusion 
but it was just out of ignorance. They just they just didn't know that there was Christian freedom in that area. It was just something that they had assumed uh, that it may have been born out of you know their culture and their tradition and things around them. In fact, we would say that that their mm-hmm. culture paid a huge a huge part in that conviction. But biblically, as we examine it, as we examine the words of Paul, it was a preference or a conviction that was born out of ignorance. And interestingly, the way he starts that conversation in 1 Corinthians 8.1, which this Sunday I'm preaching the last few verses of chapter 7, so I'll be getting right into this in my sermon series. But um, the way that he frames that conversation is not by prioritizing knowledge. Uh, It's not like, okay, the priority now, because you've got these weak brothers who are ignorant in this area and these strong brothers who have knowledge in this area— uh, priority number one isn't let's get them knowledgeable so that they join you. Mm. He says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The priority is always love. Yeah. And so no matter what's going on as far as knowledge levels are concerned, and even though that's important and we shouldn't set it aside and forget about it, we should keep it in its place, meaning that love is the ultimate priority in the church and seeking to serve one another is the ultimate priority. So... um there is ignorance that existed there that, that made them weaker. Paul says it. But the priority is to love them, not to say, why are you so stupid? You need to get smarter so that way you are like me, right? Um, we need to just show love through it all. And that's part of the whole principle behind that whole third column. We're, we're pursuing wisdom. We're looking for sensitivity to our conscience, but we're giving deference to others out of love for them. Yes. So, yep. But that's that's ignorance, the, the third part of, of where some of these... Uh, preferences can come from is the area of tradition. You want to talk about that? Yeah, this is when, you know, for instance, your family, uh, a a lot of it comes from your family. I mean, that's where your traditions are are a lot of times baked into your personality, but it can also come from your church or even the culture around you, assuming a position that everyone else abides by. Um, A lot of times no one has done the work to actually study it out and see if uh, this is the only way. So it's a, a lot of times coupled with ignorance, right? right. But but even, even then, there are times when you have done the study or whatever, but your desire, your fallback, your default, your comfort level is just baked into this preference because that's the tradition that you have. You maybe have heard the, the phrase, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with those who do, uh, if you were raised in a fundamentalist <laughs> type setting. Um you know, perhaps you have that mindset about other things. And yeah, you've, you've studied it uh, a little bit here and there. You're not totally ignorant on it, but that's just where your comfort level is. Therefore, it is your preference. Um, that t- tradition plays a huge part in the development of our preferences. Yeah. So as we look at these preferences, we're recognizing that, okay, these preferences come from a variety of different places. And they can also come with variety of levels of, of morality attached to them. We think preferences can be, they can be nor- morally neutral. Like it, it's, it's not a big deal. It doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a, it's not a sinful thing. It's not uh, a virtuous thing. It's just kind of neutral. But there are times when our preferences do begin to slip into the, the sinful aspect of things, where we're preferring these things, we're, we're, we're claiming convictions on things or preferences on things that it's actually a sinful approach and a sinful, uh, the way you've arrived at that is a is sinful thing, and they can come from sinful places in our hearts. 
So let's talk about those. Where, when are preferences sinful? When are they more neutral? Yeah, and it it, it all depends on our motives, right? Um, what there's a saying, mo- motives are irrelevant, something like that, or. Isn't there a phrase that goes something like that? Um, intentions. Intentions are irrelevant. Um, there's a phrase that exists in the world. It doesn't exist in Scripture, but exists in the world. Like, okay, you hurt me really bad, um, and I know your motive was to care for me, but you hurt me, and intentions are irrelevant where I'm not even going to consider your motive because of the effect that it had on me, um, which is a really selfish way of looking at things. And that's not the way that we want to present uh, this we we believe motives really are important in this. Um, motives need to be examined in all of this, and it determines when something is neutral or sinful or otherwise. So, um, how do we? How can we tell, at least within our own heart, if our preference is sinful? What are some ways that we can check to see if that's the case? Well, the first thing that we need to do is is allow ourselves to be kind of introspective in this way. Like, allow yourself to be opened up to the examination of, of Scripture. You know, you're opening up God's Word, and, and you want to be studying out, okay, is this actually a biblical conviction? And you may be surprised to find that maybe an area that you are holding to very strongly, actually, the Bible doesn't put that level of, of command on mm-hmm. someone. So was it something coming from a place of pride? Selfishness. Well, this is just what I want. And so I want this, therefore I'm going to pursue this. And it doesn't matter other people's preference. It doesn't matter what other people say. You know, we talked about how in this third column, we should be showing deference to others. Well, if you're saying, I don't, they, this other person, they can't infringe upon my Christian liberty. And you're kind of having a defiant attitude. There's there's going to be some pride there. There's there's some selfishness there that that you need to examine and consider that hey this this is this could be a sinful thing in your life. Maybe there's and something sorry, but something that we'll get to later in the episode is um, this is the way I do it. Therefore, they should do it too. Yeah, um, because this is the best way. If I do it this way, that means it's the best way. Yeah, or just, if I think this way, that means it's the right way to think. Yeah, the, the whole concept of being wise in our own eyes, right? This, Becoming your own standard of right and wrong. That's right. Scripture warns against being wise in your own eyes on numerous occasions. So we need to we need to be on guard against that. But another sinful motive is that of fear, especially when some of these preferences are born out of our traditions or our cultures, where this is just kind of the the standard of of living that people around you expect. And so out of fear for the, the backlash, out of fear for you know, what might come if you violate that standard, you just kind of fall in line and, and you just kind of go along with it until it kind of just becomes part of who you are as well. And that's, that's born out of fear, and that's not a healthy place to be. That's, we would say that's a sinful place to be. That's, that's, that is not submitting to the Scriptures or the Spirit. That is submitting to fear. And so we don't want to be there. And finally, I think the uh, I don't, I don't want to limit it to just these things, but another yeah. example could be when our preferences begin to control others. Mm-hmm. When things become legalistic and we start taking the standards that we have built up for ourselves and start saying, okay, this is how I approach it. Now, this is how you need to approach it as mm-hmm. well. Because heaven forbid there be diversity, heaven forbid we coexist with two different preferences, right? Yeah. Um, 
I, I and this is especially true of leaders, whether it's pastors or organizational leaders, wanting people to behave a certain way because you're scared of what would happen if you didn't have control. Um, and, and remember, the, we're talking about your, the means of you arriving at your preference. If the, if any of these things that Ken just listed are the means of you arriving at your preference because you're prideful in heart, because you're selfish, because you're fearful, because you want to control other people, if that's the means of arriving at your preference, then your preference will certainly be manifested in sinful ways mm-hmm. because those are all are they're all anti-biblical means of arriving um, at a conclusion. Uh, right. They're all based on sinful motives. But, but there, yeah. <laughs> there are times when it could be neutral, right? Right. Go ahead. Well, again, going back to baseball, uh, there are times when you just like one thing over another, and there's really no discernible reason. And we, we have to be so careful about examining ourselves because you can get caught up in that. And First Corinthians 4, Paul says, I don't examine myself so, uh, or his ministry. There are times, a lot of times, the vast majority of times, we need to take the position of trusting the Lord to bring these things out in your own heart and just living sincerely and honestly with a clean conscience before him. But um, there are times, too, when you should start walking towards some self-examination. And the next letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul tells them to examine themselves. So there, there are appropriate times for this. And when you are examining yourself to a degree, looking for sinful motives in your heart with God's help, asking God through his spirit to point these things out to you, and you're not discerning any kind of sinful motive, you just like one thing over another— you don't seem to see a reason in it. It just is tied to your personality, your tradition, et cetera. And I think we're okay with saying that's neutral, right? Yeah. What's your favorite color? Right. Yeah. And that and it changes. Uh, mine used to be blue, and I think now my favorite color is green, like a hunter green. I like that. <laughs> What's your favorite color? I don't have one. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess put it in a context. What's your favorite color? for a room, like a bedroom. What color, if you could paint your bedroom any color, what color would you paint it? Uh, any neutral for color. For an accent wall. Any neutral color will do. An accent wall. You're so boring. <laughs> You're not going to see the wall because gray. it's going to be covered in bookshelves. <laughs> Favorite color is gray. <laughs> it's like uh, that episode of The Office when... Uh, Angela's listing off the acceptable uh, colors, or maybe it was her favorite colors. I like gray, dark gray, <laughs> white, off-white, <laughs> tan. <laughs> yeah. We're boring people. But that's neutral, right? It, it is neutral. That's not—I mean, you, you don't have any discernible sinful motive in arriving at the conclusion of what color you prefer for this thing or that thing. It's just your personality, yeah. and that's okay. And we were kicking around the idea of, can can our preferences ever be virtuous? And we were trying to think of that, and I'm not, I'm not sure. As long as they're done in love, I, I think maybe that's it. If, if they're done out of love for God that he's stirring in you, um, and love for your neighbor, seeking to serve one another, I think it's always going to be virtuous. It's when it uh, swings so far the other way when it's done for selfish gain, selfish mm-hmm. ambition, 
whatever it may be, that's when it's it's negative. Because, I mean, again, third column issues, they are not inherently right or wrong. So right. Therefore, they're not inherently virtuous or sinful. But if we are using those things, developing our convictions on those things out of love for God and others, virtuous, yeah. right? It can be holy motives. Yeah. Even if the thing itself is is innocuous. So, but the key factor, again, that we've kind of hit on several times is this issue of motive. And one way, one question that you could ask yourself that might be something to, that you could discern, okay, do I have a a sinful motive in the midst of this? Is this something that I'm, I'm just so, uh, so tied to? Ask yourself this question. Are you willing to set aside that preference for the sake of others? How far... <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) But how far are you willing to go? You know, the more staunchly that you hold to a preference, the more I think it does reveal an unbiblical motive. Uh, You know, we could—this is an extreme example, but if if your preference is for Fords over Chevys, and someone needs to go to the hospital, but the only vehicle Mm -hmm. that you have available is a Chevy, oh, I don't drive Chevys. Well, or, or the church has a, a bus ministry, uh, which I, I, they don't have those very much anymore, I, I guess, a lot of churches, but say they do. And yeah, it's a it's a foreign, say it's a Japanese brand. That, I mean, you'll find people in the South and the Midwest today be like, I'm not driving that. You know, <laughs> those people still exist. Like, whoa, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. That's where your preferences really, things have kind of gone too far at that point. So in our preferences, we need to be willing to set them aside for the sake of others where appropriate. Yes. So, so those are all preferences. But now we need to bring up and define further convictions, because we're the whole premise of the episode is pitting these two ideas against each other. How, does, how do we know if something is merely a preference that's neutral— based on tradition, based on our personality, versus a conviction that we could say, well, that's a biblical conviction I have. That's a, uh, my conscience has been formed. Um, what's the difference between these two things? Yeah, and and um, here, we'll, we'll provide a definition, and then I'll get bring the commentary, I suppose. Uh, we're defining a conviction as a firmly held personal belief or opinion based on careful study and counsel. And again, preference is a greater liking for one thing over and against others. Yes. So that, so preference is just liking for one thing over and against others. Conviction, a firmly held personal belief based on careful study and counsel. And sometimes we confuse the two, right? Sometimes we think we have a conviction, but the truth is it's actually just a preference. Mm-hmm. We've not done the careful study to examine it to see where we sit on it. We've just kind of arrived at that conclusion. So that's that's really where we're making this distinction. It's the issue of how carefully have you studied this and paid attention to everything, the, the yeah. biblical principles, gotten, gotten counsel from others, etc. And, and of course, a lot of times things can't move from preference to conviction, right. like favorite color. Right. <laughs> how do you come to a careful... How do you do a careful biblical study of what your favorite color should be and come to a firm conclusion, right? Um, there's some things that can't move, but then there are, there are a lot of things that can mm-hmm. uh, if we're willing to be open in that way. And that's what moves something from preference to biblical conviction. And we may find that in the process of that study that our preferences change. 
we may discover that, hey, I thought that there was biblical precedent for this concept, but actually there's more liberty here, and this is no longer a conviction. This is this is actually something I'm seeing I have more freedom on. So there is some movement with that, and there is freedom from Christ, freedom in the Spirit to have our convictions morphed and changed by the Spirit through careful study and counsel. Freedom that is given from Christ. Yes. Freedom from Christ just sounds like you're free from Jesus. <laughs> like, so, right, I'm yes. free from <laughs> <laughs> Correct, yeah. yes. Thank you for uh, clarifying that language. Because we don't want to develop our convictions free from Jesus. We want yes. to can develop our convictions in the freedom that Jesus gives, which is, of course, what you meant. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So these convictions, uh, they're formed, again, through intentional study and application of biblical principles. This is the concept of, you know, when our consciences are formed and informed by knowledge, by studying. That's uh, The word knowledge, uh, conscience itself means with knowledge. And so we want to strengthen the conscience. We want to add knowledge to that. And that comes through careful study of God's Word and applying biblical principles. This is, yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. It's pr- the, the pursuit of wisdom. Right yes. now in our Thursday morning men's study, uh, we are going through Proverbs, and actually it's changing to Tuesday morning next week. I'll just start calling it our Tuesday morning men's study. Um, we just, we're doing a chapter of Proverbs each time, and we are in those first chapters of Proverbs. And how many ways can Solomon say, pursue wisdom? Mm. I mean, that's, he just says it a million different ways, filling up every chapter. Um, that that is what is set before us, is to pursue wisdom, get knowledge, get understanding, get wisdom. This is what you what you must do. I mean, it, it'll give you length of years. It will enrich your life. It will give you health. It'll give you strength. It will it'll make you prosper. I mean, wisdom over and over and over again is what the Christian should see as the goal of life, is to keep learning from the God who saved us keep developing, keep growing, keep having wisdom um, in these ways that we live on the earth, the short time that we have, um, not to earn anything from God, but to honor Him rightly and to serve other people better, because that's why we're here, is to honor God and to serve others. Amen. So that's, uh, that's really the, that whole the concept of, of the convictions— we're stressing that. The, um, we had that whole episode again on the conscience and how it's strengthened with biblical knowledge. That's where we're living. When, when we are yeah. applying biblical knowledge and we're applying that, it's, it's forming us, it's shaping us, and it's helping us as we make these decisions. Now, again, we're living in the third column, yes. doubtful things. They're called doubtful things for a reason. Right. So what you always have to keep in mind is as you develop your convictions based on the study of Scripture, prayer, and counsel, there's another person comes strutting in the room <laughs> who has an opposing conviction also based on the study of the Word of God and prayer and counsel. And that's okay. And that's okay. And it's so hard for people to get that. Uh, I mean, again, I'm, I'm out here in Mormon land. How did the Mormon church start? Well, Joseph Smith wanted to know which church was true. You've got all these churches that have different opinions and different convictions on things. That's not how the church should look. The church should be absolutely uniform. No, it should not be. The church should be diverse with different opinions on different conscience matters. It's a much more beautiful thing. Now, it's much more complicated. I I will give you that. It's much more beautiful, though. Amen. 
Now, up to this point, we've really been, uh, again, this has been the meta conversation, right? We've been talking <laughs> about how we talk about matters of conscience. To get just a little bit of specificity to, okay, you're talking about all this. Now, what does this look like? What, what are we talking about here with these things? Here's This, this could be a whole Hard variety. Hard examples, Ken. Yes. Hard examples. Hard examples. Let's go. A variety of things. Lifestyle choices. How are you going to break down your budget? Preference, conviction. You know, those, those, the, the preferences and convictions could play into how you build your budget. You, there's, there should probably be some convictions in there about how, okay, I need to care for my family and things like that. But there's going to be a yeah. lot of places where you're spending your money. That is pure it, preference. Again, we, we always have to say this. I feel like every time you're usually the one who catches it. Um, we are not saying these things exist apart from wisdom, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is still wisdom to be employed in these things, which is the, how you develop the conviction. We're just hitting on that really strongly, but we need to say it again. Just because there are opposing convictions and conscience matters, that doesn't mean that you get to forsake wisdom then and just do whatever you want. It's yes. through your pursuit of wisdom you arrive at your conviction and it's okay if it differs from another believer who also pursuing wisdom has arrived at this conviction. So we're saying you're you're going to end up with views of like like the budget Ken was just talking about. You're going to arrive at different conclusions about what a budget should look like for your life. But as long as you're pursuing wisdom through it, that is a biblical conviction that you have and that's good and okay even if it's different from brother Ted or sister Mary who's next yeah. to you. And then the preferences that play into that, you know, I'm one person's going to spend their money, you know, pursuing, you know, maybe they have this one hobby that they like and they enjoy and that brings them joy. Okay. And then another person says, I don't like that hobby at all. Like it, those are just preferences and those things are, are they can be okay. Yeah. Again, we need to examine our motives in the midst of that yes. and, and see if maybe we're being foolish, but just taken out on just the thing itself, it's uh, neutral. Yes. But a variety of other things that could fit into lifestyle, the kind of food that you eat. Uh, are you going to live in a house or in a, rent an apartment? Healthcare decisions can play into these sorts of things. Uh, are you, how, you know, what does your workout routine look like if you have one? You know, th- these are things that you know you, you think about. You, you, biblical wisdom can be applied to all of these areas, and there's going to be aspects of this that's purely going to come down to your personal preference. Yes. Yes, and for the for the things like okay, again go, going back to the budget, um, do you prefer to use Microsoft Excel or do you prefer to do a piece, a piece of paper or something else? The envelopes break uh, out the, the, yeah, the envelopes. <laughs> um, is the Bible going to teach you about those things? Well, a- attempt you know definitely attempt to learn anything you can, extract any principles you can about that. But at the end of the day, something like that, no, you're not really going to have a hard biblical case for it. But in terms of how you spend your money and where your money goes, you need to just study Scripture and have a biblical conviction. Don't just have a a fleshly, traditional preference on it. This is the way we've always done it, so we're just going to keep doing it. Keep challenging yourself by Scripture. Pursue wisdom, pursue understanding in those areas uh, for the sake of honoring God with your life. Um, there's great freedom in Christ. I'm not not saying this is what you have to do, otherwise you're being a terrible Christian. That's, that's not the goal of this. This is just a challenge to say, through your freedom, serve one another. So use your freedom as an opportunity to develop convictions that are different from others, but honor the Lord. Amen.
So those are those are variety of things in lifestyle. Uh, these preferences and convictions uh, can apply down to our interests and our hobbies. This is going to be more preferences than convictions, probably. Um, you and I both prefer baseball to other sports like football or soccer. I do enjoy soccer, but Jeremy does not. But I still love baseball more but that's than That's a I conviction, like not a preference. I, um, mm. I was reading the book of Second Flushalonians. Isn't that what Matt Slick said? Uh, Fleshalonians. Fleshalonians. <laughs> and, it, and it talks about how soccer is just for uh, girls and Europeans. So I'm just obeying the Word of God, man. Well, I, I know that baseball has been around since creation because in the big inning, <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's a good one. Is it, though? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's interests, our hobbies, you know— this can come down to the kinds of cars that you like. Do you like the Chevys or the Fords? Or maybe you yeah. like the Toyotas, you know, whatever. Um, the kind of church you attend. Oh, now we're getting into, now this is now this begins to move from just personal things to interacting with a corporate body. Yes. Uh, the kind of music that the church sings on a Sunday morning. The style of preaching. You know, is this, talking about the music, is this an exclusive psalmody church, hymns only, Mm -hmm. contemporary only, a blend of all three, you know, these things, you're going to have a preference, you know, when you step into church, you, uh, some people just desire, I I really want to sing these hymns today. Mm. Others may really want to sing those contemporary songs. So now how do we think through those Mm. things? Yes. Well, we think through it by having a conviction and yet being willing to lay that aside for service of others, right? That's I mean, right. going back to the meat offered to idols, you have knowledge, you, you know that an idol is nothing, yet love is what builds up. And so lay aside your personal conviction for the sake of others. Um, 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as people who are free. Okay, uh, if that's all the sentence said, great, do whatever you want. It's open <laughs> right? season. Yeah. But it goes on to say, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So if we take that to heart, that really changes the way we approach, especially the kind of church you attend, you know, putting that uh, context to it. Uh, you, there are just so many places where you can die to self, even though it's your duty to develop biblical convictions. It's also your duty to lay them aside when necessary for the service mm-hmm. of others mm-hmm. and to and to be willing to do that. So if your motive is to honor God and your motive is to love others, this is how it plays out. You have convictions and you're willing to lay them aside when necessary. What an amazing combination yeah. that we could never do on our own, ever. It's through the Spirit's work. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. So, so we've been talking about the individual approach to the Christian life, how the individual is handling these things, but now we have to ask from a different perspective, is it ever right for a church or an organization to bind a person's conscience for the sake of that person remaining in good standing with that church or organization? So, you know, we're we're talking about from the individual perspective, develop a conviction, but be willing to lay it aside. But then what if a, a Christian organization comes along and says, actually, I know there are different views on this, but all of you have to do this to remain in good standing here. Is that ever right? Yeah, this this is where things get really interesting. 
So it's 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 been very common in in a variety of churches to have what's known as a church covenant that you agree once you join membership with that church you sign on to the church covenant the membership covenant and some churches have put in stipulations about hey you know if you're going to be a member of this church you are going to not participate in any kind of alcohol you're not going to smoke in old days maybe it would also include stipulations about staying away from the theater or things of that nature. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, these these things, the scripture doesn't actually directly address these things in the way that this covenant does. Does that church have the freedom to bind the conscience of their membership? And I think we just need to be straightforward, honest, clear about this. We're talking about man-made standards of personal holiness or piety. Right. Uh, a man-made standard. So whether it's one man or a group of men saying, this action is holier than this action because that's our conviction, therefore everyone must live according to our conviction, that's now a man-made standard. In the Westminster Confession of Faith uh, 20.2, I love the way this is phrased, God alone is Lord of the conscience and has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men. (laughs) <laughs> which are in any with anything contrary to his word or beside it. So if something comes along as being contrary to the word of God, and you're, you're told this is the standard, you have to behave this way to be in good standing, not good. If something comes along and it's additional to the word of God, and you're told you have to be in line with this to be in good standing, also not good. Ken and I tried really hard before this episode to to come up with examples that would be appropriate. And it was, we came up empty-handed yeah. ultimately. So, I mean, we when we ask ourselves, is it ever right for a church or, an, or a church or an organization to apply their own standards of piety or holiness for that person to be in good standing? Our answer must be... No, no, no! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's it. I mean, and so to that, you would say. Well, yes. And I say. For the last time, no. Okay, now I'm just wanting to use the button. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not right for a, a church or an organization to do that. And there are some difficult things to wrestle with. Like, well, isn't it, wouldn't it be wisest if everybody just did this or did that? The Lord alone is Lord of the conscience. Amen. Amen. And, and there's, you know, as we were trying to wrestle with the, with this uh, before the show, and we talked about the example of when Paul had Timothy circumcised, right? Because there's there was previous uh, tension within the church. There's previous uh, talk about this, about whether or not members of Christ's church had to be circumcised as the Jews were circumcised, the Gentiles as they were getting saved. Did they need to be circumcised? Paul wrote in Galatians about how we don't need to submit to the law, and that includes circumcision. And yet, there's this kind of interesting situation where Paul had Timothy circumcised. So how could Paul write Galatians and also tell Timothy, in a sense, on binding? Was he binding Timothy's conscience in that, Mm -hmm. telling him to be circumcised? Yeah. Was he circumcising a grown man against his will? Uh, What a thought. Um, Definitely doesn't present it that way. And what we see is in love serving the weaker. Um, Now, the Jews they were going to, I'm sure some of them were believers, perhaps not all of them were. It's hard to know. 
But either way, they were contextualizing their ministry for the sake of reaching people. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, I've become all things to all people that I might win some. His goal was love. His goal wasn't to bind anybody's conscience, but saying to Timothy, for the sake of the gospel, would you agree with me on this, that this is the best thing to do? And apparently, Timothy agreed. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that Timothy's approach was, okay, I have freedom in Christ to not be circumcised. And I bet you he probably would have even preferred that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But that's right. for the sake of loving others, he said, okay, I will lay aside my liberty for the sake of serving others. Yes, that's it. All right, well, let's land this plane, Ken. Uh, how do we conclude? So as we've wrestled with all these things, there's really just kind of a restatement of all that, that we've said so far. I think it's good when we can move something from a mere preference to a conviction. And we want to be honest about when it's a conviction and when it's a preference. If you think it's a conviction, but as you've been listening to this and realizing, hey, I've never actually examined this, it's not a conviction. It's actually a preference. But if it can move to a conviction, that would be a good thing. We think that that's healthy. We, at the same time, we also recognize, again, there are some preferences that are never going to be convictions, and that's totally Mm -hmm. okay and fine. As long as your motive isn't sinful. Bingo. As long as your as your motive is in the right place, you're coming from a holy uh, starting place with that. And we always ought to be willing to lay aside both our preferences and our convictions for the sake of serving others. Yes, 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 yes. Yes! Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And so ask the Lord to examine your heart, right? Yeah. Um. Because uh, at the end of the day, there's so much sin that's tangled up in all of our decision makings, uh, and we'll we'll never truly even understand our own motives. But we can ask the Lord to guide us and to give us more and more the heart of Christ that is gentle and lowly, as uh, Dane Ortland says, but also full of love and service. And if we just follow the Lord's leading on this and seek to lay down our lives for the sake of others flourishing in Christ, then we're in a good place. Okay. Amen. Very good. Well, uh, follow us on social media. Leave us a review if you, especially if you're an Apple listener. Surely there's an easy way on your app, on your iPhone there, just to like give us a rating. We know almost half of you use an iPhone when listening to us or uh, use Apple Music. So just hit hit the number of stars. If it's oh, if it's four or five, we want you to review us right now. It takes like less than a minute. If it's under four, then. I don't know why you're listening. Just don't rate us and quietly excuse yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But if, if, if you've especially got Apple music, I think it's real easy. Just go ahead and pull that up. Give us four or five stars, whatever you want. And uh, we'd love to keep having these conversations and have you join in. Thank you so much for listening. And if there's nothing else, Ken, is there anything else? I don't think so. Until next time. Theology. minutes. Ah, okay. So whatever our goal is, we just add 25% and that's what it's going to be.
I'm done holding the studio hostage, I think. That was good.